Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Erica Medke. We are excited to have you along today. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. First things first, let's timestamp today's episode. It's Wednesday, May 31st. It's about 1 o'clock Central Time. Here's a quick rundown of the markets. CME Black Cheddar, 142 today, down 16 cents from last week to the lowest price since May of 2020. Barrels at 150, down 2 cents from last week. Weigh 27 cents, the lowest all-time price in Chicago since it's been trading there over the last uh, roughly five years. Butter, we are up two cents from last week to 246. Nonfat is unchanged at 116. Nearby corn, 592, up a nickel on the week. Nearby soybeans, 1296, down 28 cents on the week. And soybean meal trading at 392 a ton, down $10. Today, we are lucky to have another all-star cast from our Everag team. Leading off, we've got Tiffany LaMandola, our Vice President of Risk Management. Brian Fletcher is joining us from the Commercial Risk Management Desk. And Britt O'Connell is our Director of Grain Foundations. How are we doing today, team? Excellent. Doing great, Erica. Thanks for having us. All right. As is customary here, we start with what's the buzz? What's going on in your world? What should we be sharing with our listeners? So, Tiffany, how about you? It's kind of the unofficial start to summer. Yeah, that's right. Memorial Day really is the unofficial kickoff. Um, I will note, and Britt can probably expand on this some, we are seeing some warmth coming into the picture in, in many areas of the U.S. I know out here in California, we are going to build into the 90s over the weekend, and my friends out Midwest tell me the same. In terms of dairy production, though, I focus on the nighttime temps, and those still seem to be fairly moderate. I'm seeing still upper 50s, lower 60s in most regions. So while I think it could trim some of this excess milk we've been seeing, and certainly we're kind of past the peak, um, I'm not sure that it is uh, material enough to make a major dent in milk production. But I'll kick it to Brett to give some input on the grain side. Absolutely, Tiffany. You're right. You're spot on. I mean, one word could summarize what's been going on in the grain markets and what the focus is, and that's really weather. And here in the Midwest, across a good portion of the Corn Belt, uh, we've been in a bit of a dry spell and temperatures are now heating up. And the forecast is by and large calling for further dryness across a lot of the Corn Belt. Now, most recently, we did see in some of the models a little bit greater chance of rain pop up. But still, the amounts are pretty small and insignificant, and the percent chance uh, of moisture actually showing up is still sub 50% in a lot of areas. And so as I talk with producers across the country, they're beginning to get very concerned about this crop. Many of them are going on two to three weeks without any measurable moisture with a forecast that has another seven to 14 days without a great chance of rain. And that could have a huge impact on these grain and feed markets as we move forward. Now, Brian, how about you? What's going on from the commercial desk? The buzz in the commercial space, Erica, is today, a few hours ago, the CME block price traded $1.42, which is the lowest price we have traded since May of 2020, believe it or not. 
So uh, if we rewind a few months ago, that market was trading close to $2. So we've come down over 50 cents in a few months time. If we look at that metric by almost every comparison right now, $1.42 is the cheapest price of cheese in the world. So as we've been moving down recently, the rest of the world has actually been consolidating and even in Europe been moving higher recently. So we're seeing a lot of volatility between all the general spreads where, you know, if we were to look back to where we were compared to the rest of the world, for a while we were a premium. And now, at least on a spot price basis, the U.S. cheese market is officially a discount. So the buzz has largely been focused on that market and making our way down to hopefully be getting back some export business. So with that, let's transition to center of the plate. So again, class three space making some some very low marks here today. And, And there's two sides of the coin here because we have folks who are listening to us both on the producer side where this hurts. I can't say that enough. This is deep in the red for many producers. The other side of the coin is folks on the buying side finding this an opportunity. So Tiffany, when the producer community, when you're talking to dairy farmers out there, what's getting folks through these tough times? How do they you know, look ahead to, to stay afloat? to to fight another day. Yeah, absolutely. So their primary source of income being milk prices is is definitely hurting bad. Um, We are in a space now that isn't going to cover costs really for any producer across the U.S. Obviously, we hope that many employed risk management programs, whether it was signing up through the dairy margin coverage or DMC program with FSA, managing risk on your own, or participating in some of the crop insurance programs, uh, certainly all of those are going to come in really handy here for Q1 and Q2. Beyond that, we are hearing from a lot of producers who are leaning pretty heavy on a secondary income source, and that's through being generated through high beef and cattle prices. So the obvious is many are, are culling any marginal producers or, or any cows that aren't needed and thankfully getting pretty nice prices for those. The other has been a trend that we've been seeing in evolution now for quite some time is uh, more beef on dairy or, or breeding those dairy cows to beef cows and sending some of those calves off for the feeder markets. And, and those prices have been very, very nice as well. Um, and then obviously we are hearing of some larger liquidations, either full full herds going out entirely or maybe just you know trimming significantly. So thankfully the cattle markets are helping supplement some. I, I don't know that it's going to bridge the gap, but I am hearing more and more of folks leaning on, on those markets for sure. Tiffany, I think one of the opportunities that dairymen have here is that we have seen a little bit softer tone to some of the feed markets. And while that doesn't heal all wounds, it certainly helps maybe alleviate some of the pressure that they would have otherwise had had some of these feed prices stayed high. My biggest concern for these guys moving forward is, again, back to this weather discussion, If we are to see this market start building some risk premium back into the market for marginal yields because of some hot and dry weather, that can cut back into those margins. And so that's my only concern here is if we do happen to see some 
weather that's detrimental to crop yields that we could see prices go back up. But certainly this reprieve is welcomed. And if we do see this crop put together in the U.S., that will continue to put pressure on prices, helping maybe bring some of that pressure off of dairymen and those costs. So on the other side of the coin, Brian, from a commercial perspective, this could be an opportunity, certainly in the spot market. Where where are folks taking that the opportunity that's facing them from the buy side? Sure. The big focus right now is the spot price is so much lower than the forward price. If you were to account for carrying costs, we're talking spot cheese prices versus futures prices with a forward carry of close to 35 cents premium after carrying costs. That is, you know, it doesn't always work out that well. Um, however, what that says is if you're a commercial participant, then you should be taking advantage of these spot prices right now. So buying spot and finding your storage and setting it away for your, your consumption down the road. A lot of the conversations we're having right now are talking about constraints by doing that strategy, whether it's storage constraints or capital constraints, probably part of the reason why we're down at the level where we are right now. But that's where our conversations are at least starting. The other aspect too that's really changed is, you know, a few weeks ago, we were still not very competitive in the export market. So now that we're sub 150 and European prices during that same period of time have actually moved from about 150 to 165 on a MOTS basis, which was kind of the heavy hand in the market. As we've been moving down aggressively, the European market has actually bounced up quite a bit. So not only from a domestic standpoint, should we be finding new demand channels, but also from an export competition, we should be as well. So to summarize that, a lot of the strategies that we're focused on right now and having conversations around are using the spot market in conjunction with the futures market is how to approach this current market. So Brian, as you do think about tools to help your clients and, and what you're working on, not only for today, but especially to set people up for success six months down the road, where are you thinking in that future space? Sure. So, you know, it, there's kind of two different angles we can look at. Um, a lot of times, if storing spot product is an option, then that's where we're starting. But in a lot of roles, that just isn't an option. So right now, if storing spot for, say, consumption six months down the road isn't available to you, then the forward curve six months from now is actually quite still pretty high from a historical standard. So from that standpoint, we're saying whether it's class three milk or even cheese futures, if you have to go out and establish forward coverage, given how high we are, which is hard to believe considering how low spot is today. If you have to target six months from now, then you're actually still establishing upside by leaving some amount of downside open because we've just had a good demonstration of what can happen in our markets and leaving that downside open is kind of key right now. So that comes down to us either outright buying call options, which is in essence uh, establishing insurance for, for higher prices or potentially buying calls and selling puts. So either way, given how high the curve is relative to cash, definitely leaving some optionality for, for continued downward movement on the forward curve is, is the way we're trying to approach things right now. 
Tiffany, how about you on the, the milk revenue side of things for dairy producers? What, what sort of strategies are you employing? I'm going to piggyback off something Fletch pointed out, and that's the fact that out in the fourth quarter of this year, milk prices, particularly in the class three space, are sitting at quite an advantage to current markets. So just as an example, yesterday, October class three was trading about $3.20 higher than June. So we have rarely seen that kind of advantage maintain itself. We've only seen it one other time in the last 20 years, and that was back in 2012. So we, the market is offering the opportunity to get some risk management in place at levels that are, are quite good compared to current markets. So we have been stressing this to our producers to take a serious look at that, at least on a portion of their milk. Britt, as you work with dairy producers and, and other growers, how are you helping them out as they think ahead to the potential for weather, upside, downside? We really want to give guys the opportunity to buy feed as cheap as they can. And so any of the strategies that we're putting together are allowing you know wide open downside potential should this market move lower and give them opportunity to own feed cheaper. But we're really encouraging guys to make sure they protect the top end of this market and protect themselves against some kind of a weather rally that could be sustained in nature. If we do have smaller crops here in the U.S. because of some detrimental weather, we'll likely be stuck with those higher prices for a year plus. And so there's some really cost-effective strategies that guys can employ to make sure they have all the downside and all the potential to own cheap feed if it comes their way and protect themselves against higher yet costs on the feed side. A big thank you today to Brian, Tiffany, and Britt for joining me. Great contributions to the buzz and center of the plate. I appreciate you being here and sharing your insights today. Thank you, as always, to our media team, Paige Driscoll and Corey Romero, for mixing and mastering. Thank you to the listeners for joining us today. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite app. And in case you missed it, EverAg Insights has launched our new web portal. So make sure that you sign up to get access to all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you'd like to learn more about how we help people manage risk on a day-to-day -day basis, contact us at insights at ever.ag. 